Welcome to Flights of Fantasy, your podcast book club. I am Christina, one of your hosts. I'm here as always with my book besties, Anna and Kim. Hi, everyone. And tonight, we are so thrilled and honored and excited (laughs) and all the words um, to be joined as well by USA best-selling author of the Malediction novels, the Dark Shore series, and of course, the Bridge Kingdom series, (laughs) Danielle L. Jensen. Hi, Danielle. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to uh, talk books and writing and all things fun. So are we. So excited. you can tell by our huge smiling faces. I know. That's good. If you were all frowning at me I'd be nervous (laughs) okay so before we jump in um really quick spoiler warning spoiler alert we will be talking all things bridge kingdom traitor queen you are warned spoilers are coming all the spoilers coming your way okay Anna are you ready I am ready to start us off like a quick uh fast five rapid fire just so that our listeners can hear some fun facts about you (laughs) ready (laughs) (laughs) so one what is your most reread book you know, I used to reread books all the time when I was young, but I never have time anymore. <laughs> so, I feel that. <laughs> like, I'd have to go really far back in time to my childhood to, to find a yeah. reread. Oh, know, let's yeah. just say uh, A Court of Mist and Fury. <laughs> that is our most reread book, probably. <laughs> That's my most adult right, reread book. <laughs> well, I've had to reread it for research as well. So. <laughs> um, oh, gosh. Um, if you had to pick one of your series, uh, which would you love to see adapted for the screen? Uh, I would say Dark Shores, but Bridge Kingdom is probably the most feasible. (laughs) (laughs) Interesting. Okay. I mean, Um, both would be amazing. Let's be real. Yeah. When one of your books gets published, do you have like a special way of celebrating? Uh... Usually, I like to refresh my Amazon rankings about every 10 minutes. Well, <laughs> I start the I day that. with tea and coffee and then move to alcohol as the day progresses. I was wondering, I was like, do you use there like champagne involved? <laughs> yeah. Maybe something stronger. And I'm not alone. I, I, I don't think that there's many authors that oh, yeah. don't do this particular uh, okay. routine. That's good to know. That's good to know. <laughs> um, what book or author do you credit for making you a forever reader? Oh, I would say David Eddings. My mm. dad read it, read his books to me when I was really little. So really? yeah, that's where I started with fantasy. My dad wasn't much for kids books. So he just read the yeah, chapter by chapter just... through. <laughs> yeah. Other, ki- other kids in grade one were getting like picture books or whatever. And right. I was, I was in yeah. the, you know, seven book fantasy series. <laughs> Let's just really jump in here. That's so Kim funny. and I were talking about it and she was like, babysitter's club and I was like for me it was Nancy Drew yeah and I did read all of these by myself but I would yeah I, we have to go all the way to the beginning here yeah he also read me Watership Downs which <sighs> traumatized me <laughs> oh as a child God. I read that book in middle school and it traumatized me yeah. <laughs> I know seriously me too That's I can't so imagine funny. elementary That's school so oh. <laughs> um okay so last question this one's my favorite um what's your go-to music genre when you're driving alone in your car and you just want to jam out I have Sirius satellite in my car and I listen to hits one (laughs) I do too (laughs) because I'm really yeah and I also like I I have (laughs) well you have like six buttons on my car and so it's hits one and then the 90s and then lithium lithium because i am a a 90s girl yes yeah and the the 2000s yep Mm -hmm. and then like a few like random ones for when i'm just surfing but it's it's really i'm i like pop music so i'm if there's a taylor swift song i'm oh we're huge huge taylor fans my three-year-old twins demanded bad blood this morning when we got in the car (laughs) for the carpool You know like, what my kids love? Uh, Astronaut in the Ocean, and they can sing it, and my kids are really little. I'm like, please don't sing it at school. Please don't sing oh, it at school. Please don't. That's so funny. Yeah, okay. They, like, try to do, like, the really fast parts. Yeah. Oh, my God, I love yeah. that. They're so funny. hip. That is awesome. They're very hip. I'm like, some of those are daddy words. Don't say yeah. them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we keep 
that for home. We do that. Yeah. We, I do the same thing. Um, okay. So before we dive into the books, we'd love to talk a little bit about your journey to become an author. Mm-hmm. Um, some of our, our listeners might not know you had a career in corporate finance for years before ultimately. Well, not like years and years. How old do you think I am? <laughs> <laughs> for years. <laughs> Decades. We've had a career in corporate finance. I did. Before then leaving and becoming an author. Mm -hmm. So how would you say that your, you know, journey to become an author has shaped or affected your writing process or your writing as a whole? Um, Well, obviously I have uh, a couple of university degrees under my belt, which uh, if nothing else teaches you some degree of discipline and then working in finance again, more discipline. So I would say that I was well prepared to uh, manage my own self as my, I'm because my, my own, I'm my own boss. Mm-hmm. So if yeah. I don't make myself work, no one's going to do it. So, right. yeah. Um, yeah. so I'd say any sort of job where diligence is required is going to be, uh, you know, really helpful for that aspect mm-hmm. of it as far as how my actual degrees and work experience have helped me uh certainly uh on the business side of things with Mm -hmm. my indie publishing stuff i i have a better understanding of a lot of like the finance and the the account because i mean you have to do business accounting because Mm -hmm. you are your own business uh Mm -hmm. dealing with publishers you know i had a lot of experience dealing in a professional capacity so that was no big shock or revelation to me and um and then of course the marketing skills that you learn and pick up in more in my degree because I did finance and I wasn't selling anything I was doing long-term financing with bankers so they were selling things (laughs) to me (laughs) but um, you know I think it's just more of a state of mind but Mm -hmm. the problem with finance is they don't reward you for daydreaming about like dragons and fae princes and stuff <laughs> they like don't? that. You know, oh, when you're, you're sitting in a meeting, you're not supposed to be thinking about, uh, like, yeah. hot face sex or anything like that. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> you were not rewarded for thinking about no, that. So fortunate. It was just not really where I was yeah. meant to be because that is where my brain goes. <laughs> yes. And we uh, love you for that, Danielle. <laughs> we do. Um, when you decided to become an author... Was it always like you definitely wanted to write fantasy for sure? Or was there ever a thought of like maybe another genre? So how I actually started was one of my coworkers at the time was like, we should write uh, a romance novel because romance novels are formulaic and really easy. I was like, (laughs) yeah, that's a sweet idea, but I'm not a team player. I'm going to go do this by myself. (laughs) (laughs) And so I started trying to do that. And the irony being is is that I didn't read a lot of category romance. Um, Mm. Fantasy was always my thing. So I started writing it, but it's not easy. And it required way more skills than I certainly had when I first started. So yeah, it was terrible. It was like this weird sort of lost ripoff romance novel. It was so bad. (laughs) Like, I don't even have it. It is like deleted (laughs) on many computers ago. Oh my God, I love that. forever. But then I was like, you know, this is stupid. Why am I trying to write something that I don't even read? And so I started writing what is now Dark Skies. And it originally started as a portal fantasy with... um, Lydia coming from our world to this uh-huh. fantasy world. Oh. And I thought I was super original, not original. <laughs> but I, I wrote it and it it did change and it became quite a bit different through various iterations. But that was the first yeah. uh, book that I completed and edited it and tried to query unsuccessfully. Oh. My actual agent form rejected this book when I first queried really? it. And I had, I, oh I, I had the... Um, for rejection email and I sent it back to her <laughs> because oh she my gosh. that series is my is her favorite of all of my books so <laughs> right you're like so remember so, when she, yeah. and, and she said you know I should feel bad but you've actually improved a lot since then so. wow <laughs> that is so funny yeah so I that. that is where I started and then and yeah. that, that book never went anywhere until a much rewritten version of it. Uh, I wrote another dystopian um, 
post-apocalyptic type book that kind of mm-hmm. got close. I actually would love to revisit that one day. Oh, yeah. I love dystopian. Yeah. And then I wrote um, Stolen Songbird, mm-hmm. which was right. the one that crossed the finish lines. So yeah, yeah, that was actually one yeah. of the first. Um, Stolen Songbird was one of the first. Um, oh my god! Now I'm drawing a complete blank. I'm also watching Lord of the Rings with my husband. I keep thinking dwarves, trolls, uh, <laughs> trolls. trolls, trolls. Thank you. I was like, all I'm thinking is dwarves. Um, Troll, like one of the first uh, books I read with trolls in yeah. it. And I mean, in fairness, they're not very troll-like. <laughs> <laughs> well, but it was interesting to read because I had to wrap my brain around this like kind of very yeah. different. They weren't beautiful. Except right. for yeah. Tristan. <laughs> I was yeah. about to say, well, we needed Tristan. Well, Tristan. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Tristan. But it was just, yeah. I mean, my sister and I both read it together yeah. and then I got hooked and yeah. then I read Bridge Kingdom. So. Oh, I'm glad oh. you, that you liked them. Oh, yes. Yeah. I mean, I, it's funny because I, I mean, I haven't read it and sometimes people ask me questions about that series and about like obscure characters. I don't remember who that is. (laughs) (laughs) For a first time ever. Because your brain is like, you're you're working on so many other things. It's like, you're probably immersed in whatever world. worlds. Yeah. I tend, I tend to think forward versus back. So I'm always thinking about, um, characters that I'm working on or that I plan on working on. I don't sit around thinking about Tristan and Cecile yeah. I don't even really yeah, sit exactly. around I don't sit around thinking about Laura and Aaron either sorry yeah <laughs> because that's okay. for, no, to me I they're mean... to me they're history and I wouldn't be very good at my job if all I ever thought about was the things that Your I pet. have already written yeah <laughs> yeah because you've already read them yeah <laughs> so, exactly well, it, yeah because you have to think of something new you like Karis and Zara exactly yes I'm very excited about <laughs> so excited I'm glad well speaking of Laura and Aaron <laughs> yeah and speaking of those two <laughs> yes, um, yes. I want to kick off some of our Bridge Kingdom questions, um, and we're going to start with world building. You do mm. such an incredible job of creating these various cultures, uh, climates in the Bridge Kingdom world. Um, I mean, I speak for everyone here who is from Texas that like you literally make us feel humidity when we were reading yes. them. Um, and also the way you told the time passing with the storm seasons. Mm-hmm. So there's just no hitting us over the head with exposition. Yeah, um, is totally. there Where did the inspiration for this world come from? And then how, what was your creative process for putting it to paper? Inspiration is always a difficult thing for me because it's rarely one thing. Um, yeah. So I had the concept of the Bridge Kingdom in my head for years because I, I was busy with... Uh, the Stolen Songbird series and with Mm -hmm. Dark Shores. So I didn't have time to work on it, but it just cooked in my brain. And so I knew that I wanted this woman to be sent to this impenetrable kingdom that somehow was controlling trade between nations and she was being sent to infiltrate them. And that at the end of the first book, her plans would come to fruition. And so I knew that that was what I wanted. And so it becomes this you know, how do I create a world where there's this pinch point on trade? Like, how does that happen? Yeah. And, and, you know, at first I had sort of like a, a ravine that was long and I'm like, that's stupid. Oh. And, and, and so, you know, I, I'm thinking, cause yeah, it was originally kind of a wintry climate that I, and rocky and wintry that was in my head. Oh, and I'm not exactly sure. I think, I, th- I think it was because I was watching Moana a lot with my kids. Really? <laughs> that I was just watching all this tropical stuff. And it's not at all yeah. based on Moana because that's, you know, a right, different no. culture but- and all that sort of stuff. But that, you know how they like do crazy things with the boats and all yeah. that sort of stuff. And yeah. I got to thinking like sort of a set, like a set up a Central America looking world yes. by islands and then well why wouldn't they sail make the storm season and so oh, okay. it yes. the world was built around the plot point of mm. a one nation controlling trade and all the other nations wanting control of this nation oh yeah. fascinating that's really interesting yeah yeah that makes sense though like how would they yeah. control it and that's yeah. obviously the big driving point of the entire series <laughs> yeah right yeah. so I think I think it was Moana because I remember <laughs> watching and the at the end when she's steering the boat in to go fight Taka and yeah. Yeah. I saw yeah. it eight billion times with my kids because it is really my favorite Disney movie but it's, such it's a good so movie. good so it's not based on that movie but I think that that's how inspiration works as you see things and they sink into your mind yeah, and then sure. 
mm. you're like, oh, it, it comes together with other ideas to create yeah. something that works. Mm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Fascinating. Um, so the first chapter in Bridge Kingdom is <laughs> such an attention grabber. <laughs> like we all literally read it and we're like, what the hell like <laughs> it just grabs your attention right away and so you mentioned on your website that there were actual like various different versions of that first chapter um and i would love to know kind of you know the the process of going through those different versions and ultimately the journey that brought you to the one that made it to the book so that chapter uh i had in my head for a long time it was one of the ones that yeah. it was very strongly envisioned in my brain uh, with her at the table with her sisters mm-hmm. and her father oh. making this announcement and then them all dropping dead. <laughs> but, so crazy! Yeah, but no, in my original version, she kills them. <laughs> <laughs> when but we then, read that, we were like, what? Yeah, yeah. so I, I was, you know, I'm writing away and I'm like, they're, they're dead. Um, and <laughs> dead. I just had her be a little, she was way more of a ruthless fundamentalist and but it gets to the point where you say how can I redeem this character there is a limit of what my readership is going to take and killing all your sisters (laughs) to become queen is a tough sell it's a tough sell (laughs) it's gonna take a better author than I am to make this happen so I'm like okay I'm I'm not gonna kill them I'm gonna fake their deaths and and then once I had that in my mind I'm like oh this makes a lot more sense because I can use saw how I could use them in the second book uh, mm. oh, to I help I love rescue. Them in the second I book. love yeah. them. So it really did make a lot more sense to keep them alive. Yeah. Yeah. But right. I didn't in the, that next version. I didn't have the revelation that they were alive come until mm. the very end. Oh. The thing was, it was still. Yes, she was redeemed because they're alive. But yeah. people weren't connecting with her because they thought that she was murder (laughs) they spend the whole book thinking that like yeah yeah. and my and my agent was like nope (laughs) she (laughs) said you're gonna have to tell people sooner and so she said it's just really hard to connect with somebody who's um I don't know what the technical word is for killing all your sisters. It's not fat fratricide. It's, no. it's got to be something it's, similar. Yeah. Sister yeah. side. Sister side. <laughs> Sister side. It's not so, good, you know? It's yeah. not ideal. So then I changed it so that it was revealed in chapter two, I think. Yeah. Right. That they're still alive. Yeah. So it was entirely on trying to have a, a redeemable character. Yeah. That people could could get behind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and speaking of all the characters, um, was there a character that you particularly relate to in the series? In just the first two books. Oh, <laughs> well, I mean, no, you could tease us, please. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> speaking of that third book, my uh, proof reader just sent the the proofing back for that. So <gasps> I just saw her email pop up. That's so. exciting. Oh my god. Yeah. Oh my god. So the print edition is underway. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Yay. What character do I relate to the most? Uh, it would be Lara or Karis. Mm-hmm. And they're very similar in a lot of ways. Ooh, okay. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited to read about Karis. Me too. Know, me too. Yeah, nobody nobody understands him yet. Only me and the handful of people who have read really know who he is. Yes. Because yeah. you oh. only saw him through Aaron's eyes. And Aaron was like, this guy is such a jackass. <laughs> <laughs> and he is. Don't get me wrong. He is. But... Probably one of those two. Okay, um, okay. I do like morally ambiguous characters with a lot mm-hmm. of shades of gray. Aaron is not shades of gray. He is right. no. the noble, honorable one, which is actually extremely difficult character type for me to write, which is also one of the reasons that Zara was a bigger challenge for me because she's also not shades of gray. She's very honor-driven, and um, that that is always a harder type for me to write, but it never really makes sense to me to have two morally gray characters get together because I feel that that's a lot of gray. That's a lot of gray. <laughs> you need yeah. somebody, a lot of gray. somebody to run the straight arrow. Like, um, Yeah, well, speaking of Aaron, I do have to say that... Oh, love him. He is, we, do, we do love Aaron so much. Like, he is just... He is one of our absolute favorite, and I think most realistic male leads ever also he's also the most emotionally available yeah um i felt like of the two and he really is the driving force in the relationship Mm -hmm. um so was that a conscious decision to write him that way um 
or did that kind of come about organically? I know you said that in your previous answer that you don't like to blend two morally ambiguous characters together. So yeah. is that maybe why you, was there more well, to Well, I think that, well, I, I knew Lara first. And um, I think you're trying to think about what she would find appealing mm-hmm. and what would fill certain voids for her and think mm-hmm. about the life that she had and who would help her move past that. Yeah. And it's not going to be a character like her brother who is equally damaged um, in a, a very similar way. So he's carrying a lot of the same... He's thinking a lot the same way. I needed mm-hmm. somebody to be able to disrupt that thought pattern. Mm-hmm. And I'm not a like uh, psychologist, so I'm not sure if that's actually true or if that's just like <laughs> writer bullshit. But uh, I mean, it worked. It worked, <laughs> yeah. But, you know, they say that opposites attract to a certain extent, but I think that you want to be with somebody that you admire. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, Lara doesn't necessarily admire people like her. Mm. She admires people who are a little bit moral and uh, a little bit more moral than she is anyway. And, <laughs> yeah. and uh, honorable because that wasn't how she was really raised. So she, yeah. she's looking for someone that she inspires her. Mm. And so his character was built in a lot of ways as far as why he is the way he is, I mean, it's in so often the case that you're writing these characters with terrible pasts and um, terrible parents or terrible strategy. Tra- mm-hmm. And I can't talk here. Um, <laughs> but he had a really awesome life. I mean, living in Ithacana is yeah. difficult, but mm-hmm. he was raised in a loving family. Mm. He wanted mm-hmm. for nothing. He's close with his sister. Yes, his parents died, yeah. but they died when he was an adult. So yeah. Mm. Um, That's a good point. I didn't think about that. Yeah. He's a pretty balanced guy. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, which is definitely in the fantasy romance genre, it's more typical to put the kind of emotional baggage that I gave Lara onto the male character. You know, these dark, brooding, damaged guys. Which, I I mean, I I love that character type, but (laughs) I just don't, because I was going that direction with her, I didn't want to go that direction with him. He's a good guy. He's the kind of guy that in real life you would want to marry. Totally. Whereas most of the guys that we like in books would actually be terrible yeah. partners. So. Yes, true. Absolutely. Good point. That's, that's what we said. I was like, Arn <laughs> might like me. Like, he might actually like me. He's like a real person. He's like a real person. person. Yes. I just I love him. I like, he, he felt like such a refreshing male lead because of that. Like, he was not, like, broody, mm-hmm. alpha male, fae. Yeah. You, know, you have to pull my emotions out of yeah. me. Yeah. And that was so nice to read. Yeah. Well, he went into it all with good intentions, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, he did. She did not. Yeah. <laughs> not so much the no. case for her. Um, um, so something else that really struck us about these books, just how emotionally invested we are in what's going on in every scene. Like I, we are crying or on the verge of tears. And then two pages later, like the most stressed out we could possibly be ever, ever. with like the sharks the and snakes the snakes and the, or the letter. Things. Oh God. Oh, and the, or the letter. Snake Island. Terror. Terrifying. Yes. Snake Island. Um, <sighs> but how, how does, do, does your writing process differ from like you're sitting down to write this beautiful romantic scene as opposed to like Snake Island or the sandstorm or the sharks or like the stressful things. Yeah, I could write a scene in Snake Island and probably 10% of the time as it would take to write an emotional or oh, intimate scene. Um, oh, yeah. For one, it's the the style of the prose. It tends to be shorter, clippier sentences when you're in action. Mm-hmm, you're not mm-hmm. going for poetry. You're going for um, oh, yeah. action. You don't, you, don't, right. you don't want to slow down the pace by having an unwieldy or a, or a sentence that takes a little bit more thought to get through. So you'll see it, yeah. in most authors will have shorter sentences, shorter paragraphs uh, mm-hmm. in action scenes. Totally. And I just find that, I don't know, This maybe this sounds bad, I have to be a little bit less thoughtful about word choices and language choices uh when I'm in an action scene because not that I have to not that I can do a bad job but no but, yeah. uh, when I'm writing say like a sex scene each motion is intended to capture so much or you know totally you know right. it, it's not just the the lust it's not just the physical motion it's the all of the it's everything whereas yeah when they're running from a snake, there's fear. Yes. And that's it. <laughs> and so... So much fear. I find that each sentence requires 10 times the thought, and I rewrite them over and over again, and I'm 
so cognizant of word choice and resonance and building the emotional escalation through the scenes so yeah emotional scenes or intimate scenes take me forever to write forever Mm. and not because I don't know what I want to write per se it's just that the actual drafting takes me a long time yeah but whereas I feel I don't know I get caught up in an action scene and I'm just like yeah yeah we're mistakes yeah yeah so yeah I find action uh, very easy to write mm-hmm. um, is one of the easiest things. Although I do really like dialogue. So a yeah. conversation scene is also, I mean, I don't know if I'm good at it, but I like writing them. <laughs> so. Oh, you are. You are. The banter is top notch. Yes. <laughs> okay. So speaking of the romantic scenes, um, we all love a good slow burn. And I think something that you do really well with Laura and Aaron is kind of this amazing sexual tension between the two of them. Can you tell us a little bit about what went into that as well as your process behind kind of the placement of the sexual scenes within the plot as a whole? Um, There is no time like the first time in fiction, in my opinion. So the build up to that first sex scene, like where they actually have sex, not just Mm -hmm. foreplay type stuff, is the best. And the moment when they first come together, you can never really recreate that Uh yeah. It's just never, never as good as a reader, or at least for me as a reader, every time after that. Yeah. So yeah. the first time is the best time. So yes. that is one of the reasons why I do like <laughs> Slow Burn is because uh, I have oftentimes the full book to, or close to the full book to build to that. But mm-hmm. by the same token, you want to throw in uh, some degree of coming together and intimacy as with Lara and Aaron, I wanted it in a way the first time, which is when she's drugged him and he wakes up while she's snooping his room. (laughs) Right. Yes. Um, To kind of shock her, shock Lara, Mm, because mm -hmm. it was definitely not what she planned, but also it is the first time that she's ever kissed a man and been intimate with a man. I mean, she's she's learned. She knows all there is to know. Uh-huh. academically speaking <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. in theory yeah so you know she's no like blushing maiden by any stretch of the imagination but she's never done it so yeah. actually done it. Uh, yeah which is why she's not without some degree of confidence because she's trained mm. but also rattled by the the moment mm. and yeah and yes. i wanted it to kind of capture the duplicity of the relationship in that mm. point of time in the book. So yeah. she's there with bad intentions. Yeah. And so I I wanted the first sort of kissing scene to uh-huh. reflect the relationship as it stood then, which is him being genuine and her not. But yeah. also her yeah. like kind of feeling things that maybe she didn't quite expect. So Totally. That was that and and then it becomes like um, you're working towards a moment uh, with what certainly Lara trying to restrain herself are not wanting to push because he thinks he was going to be a good guy, right? He's going right. to let her come <laughs> yeah. to him. He's not going to exactly. be like, yeah. we're married. You have to have sex with me right now. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, he wants it to be like, he watched his parents who were in love. Yeah. So he... He's hopeful. He's hopeful for, for that, even though he understands the situation. So... I built the characters in order to allow the slow burn because sometimes it's not genuine. Sometimes you're like, there's literally no reason why you guys shouldn't be banging pelvises right now. (laughs) Other than the fact the author does not want you to. And that becomes frustrating. Yes. So totally. That is the line you always have to walk with slow burn and building tension is, is that you can only drag it out to a certain extent and then it becomes right not yeah believable right especially it's a very fine yeah. line yeah so yeah. you're you're working towards that and and then as far as the timing of the actual sex scene it, it had to come after she decided to you know give up her pursuit of Ithacana mm-hmm, you know right. she realized she's in love with him and he's forgiven her because he knows at least most of the truth. And right. so it, it was a very... The letter! They're, the no, they're very <laughs> genuinely together now, and I could make them genuinely and emotionally come together yeah. as represented by this physical moment. And oh, so totally. it was timed 
to be at that same moment. Right. Yes. Oh, love it. But I mean, it, it, it is hard because there's certainly a large subset of the readership that's looking for a lot more, a lot more spice. And mm. it's, I, I find that, um, Karis and Zara have more sex scenes, but mm. it's reflect, it's mm. reflective of them. But yeah. I don't yeah. like it to be gratuitous because to me, that's boring. Yeah. So yeah. I understand other people, other readers feel entirely differently that some people really like just lots of it and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But I start to skim in books like that yeah. because me I'm too. there for the tension. I'm there yes. for the angst. Mm-hmm. And if mm-hmm. I yeah. am just literally reading like a voyeur, I uh-huh. guess, and I'm not invested yeah. emotionally in some, a, a moment, an emotional moment mm-hmm. as a reader, it's not satisfying to me. And I write totally primarily to my own expectations, like desires, sure. what, like what would I want as a reader? Yeah. So yeah, that's the reason. And yeah. Just the use of tension between them is it's just so well done. Oh, that moment before, right when she decides she's going to go write on all the pieces of paper right before that. And they're like, he's kneeling there and he just got hurt. And she's like, yeah. raining, and she's yeah. like in the courtyard and uh-huh. she's in like, the oh. eye of the hurricane. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I'm the hurricane. Oh, oh it's so oh good. My gosh. And you could just tell she's like, I'm feeling things. I shouldn't be feeling these things. I'm freaking oh, out. Go right on the things. And you're like, no. Oh God. You so just want to shake her. So, so yeah. The first time we all read it, we were like, okay, how many pieces of paper were there? Okay. There was the cat, but let's count it out. How, where were oh, we? Spent like, a, like an embarrassing oh, amount of time. time. <laughs> but one of them's in the like, waistband. We <laughs> but did they turn the thing over? We well, had so much fun. And, and it's funny because, you know, people are like, well, you know that that letter is going to come out. So I knew it was going to happen. I'm like, you're supposed to know. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're supposed to know. <laughs> you're not like a yeah. clever boots because you figured it out. <laughs> it's obviously coming back. You're supposed to have this sense of dread. You do. You have it the totally. whole rest of the book. You're waiting. So oh, God. Okay. 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 We could just do this. All right. What are your questions? Okay. Anna, do you want to ask yours about sure. the... Sure. Yeah. Um, if you had to pick, um, which character would you like to go to dinner with? Um, Karis. Oh, yes. Karis has a lot of answers. This is making yeah. me very excited. I love Karis. Karis oh. is um, very witty and uh, he's a good, like a good conversationalist. Mm-hmm. So you would not be sitting there in silence with him. And he yeah. is unexpected and he swears a lot. <laughs> and he can be, he does, he, he, he is simultaneously like the smooth prince, but also can be like a little bit crass. Oh, <laughs> so perfect. You never really that. know what you're going to get from him because he plays a lot of different sides of himself depending on, on who he's with. So he adapts oh. to who he's with. So one of the things that was so critical with him meeting Zara and with them coming together is, is that she is basically the only person that he is his true self with. <gasps> so I love that. Uh, I love that. I love him. So, so oh my god! I mean, the scene with Karis and Aaron when Aaron's being is held captive and he leaves the book. I loved the dialogue in that scene. Mm -hmm. It was I just you could tell Karis was I don't know he just had such a playfulness to him in such like a clearly dire situation. (laughs) He's actually very stressed out in that conversation. (laughs) (laughs) And it's, but it's, it's so well done. And I just, I was, Mm -hmm. it made me, so when when I found out book three was about Karis and Zara, I was like, that was actually the scene that, that I read that I was like, made me really excited to then see more of him. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's always interesting when you switch point of views. And this will be very interesting to see how uh, readers react to this because... I think that the situation that I could probably point to as an example is uh, how Nesta doesn't like Resend. Oh, yes. And she has her reasons, but it's hard for readers to separate having um, seen him through Feyre's eyes. So Uh they see him the way Feyre sees him, and they had to change the way that they were seeing him in order to like kind of set aside all of that as if they didn't mm. know it and see it through different eyes. And that's very difficult to do because yeah. you have all this existing knowledge and you're like, no, but he's yeah. this way. He's great. All that sort of stuff. But right. you have to recognize that Nesta's experience with him is not the same as what her sister's experience with him is. Right. She yeah. didn't 
she wasn't in her sister's head. She doesn't know all the things that her sister knows. So, so true. Totally. You almost have to erase a lot of your existing knowledge of a character uh, in order to really see them through the new character's eyes. So uh, <laughs> you're yeah. seeing now Lara and Aaron through uh, Karis and Zara's eyes. And they don't know all the things that readers know. Yeah. Karis thinks his sister's a murdering bitch. Like, <laughs> of course he does. Oh, because he thinks that she killed all of his, his sisters. No, not that. The book starts around the same time of the invasion. So he knows that she orchestrated this invasion. He doesn't know that she didn't intend it for, intend for it to happen. Right. Like, he doesn't know that. No, no one really knows that. Except really for, knows that like, yeah. she didn't send the letter to the... Yeah, so yeah. Karis thinks that she is, went in, betrayed her husband, stabbed in the back, caused the invasion of a nation, caused thousands mm-hmm. of people to be killed, and then like, fucked off. <laughs> and he's like, bye. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so... He does not have good thoughts about her. Oh, wow. And okay. That makes sense. It will be interesting to see how readers react to his opinion of her. Because yeah. he does not think highly of her, certainly in the beginning, because he doesn't know all the things that we know. He doesn't know that she actually yeah. tried to go back on all of this, that she yeah. truly loves Aaron, that she didn't want any of this to happen. He doesn't know. Mm-hmm. So it will be really interesting seeing how readers respond to him saying these things about Lara. Totally, yeah. And he also thinks Aaron is a bit of a dumb fuck for <laughs> thinking, <laughs> like believing, for starters, that Lara was mm-hmm. there under anything other than duplicitous, right. evil intentions. I can see that point of view. Mm-hmm. So he yeah. does not actually have high opinions of our two original leads. That is so mm. interesting and makes total sense. Mm. Yeah. Zara is less judgmental and it has less, it's touched her less. So she's not as yeah. opinionated on them. But um, yeah, it'll be really interesting mm. to me to see how readers react to Karis's initial viewpoint, certainly of his sister, especially because he oh, does yeah. not know what the readers know. He only knows what everyone knows. Wow, that, okay, that's going to be really interesting. Mm-hmm. Okay, so uh, if you had to choose, where in the Bridge Kingdom would you like to live and why? Well, I really liked Midwatch until Aron threw a tantrum and burned it down. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Aron! Damn it, Aron! <laughs> yeah, so minus the snakes. Minus the snakes. That would suck. <laughs> oh my god, the snakes. Ditto, I can't mm-hmm. with the snakes. It's I would pro- I would probably live in Velcata where mm. Zara's from. It's very yeah. it's very civilized. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Less very civilized. Less snakes. Um all right, so I am going to change topics. Um for a little bit. Um, you obviously have a very active social media account. Um, and as a new podcast, we've had to learn how to navigate the social media world. And um, it was a learning process. So social media has become such an integral part of like promoting work nowadays, um, as opposed to like 10 years ago. How would you say social media has shaped your industry for better or worse? It certainly made uh, a much more connectivity between authors and readership. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Uh, it's more accessible because it's not just the people who primarily it would have been Americans uh, before who had a lot more access to, I mean, a lot of American authors. So now mm-hmm. the whole world can access, yeah. doesn't matter where you are. So that I think that is the one of the biggest things that has changed. I think the darker side is, is that a lot more of the sales performance and marketing and all of that is now on the author's uh, plate where it wasn't before. Mm-hmm. So whereas 15 years ago, let's say, uh, authors were just writing for the most part. There yeah. was tours and stuff, but they weren't um, they weren't spending hours on Instagram. Right Now probably half my job is managing the various ways that I connect with readers. Yeah. So there's that. Um, and it can be hard to never escape the criticism uh or the feedback feedback in general Mm -hmm. so whereas before and 
we can still say 15 years ago that there wouldn't have been this reviewer culture uh, that we have now. Mm, yeah. It wasn't always in your face. I mean, there was yeah. trade reviews. And if you met people, they would presumably tell you what they feel. But people are a lot nicer usually in person than they are online. It's a lot easier to so, hide behind a keyboard. So I think that uh, authors have had to develop a lot uh, thicker skin since social media has dominated our world because it's constant. You're constantly yeah. inundated. You know, mm-hmm. and, and it's not always when you will expect it. You know, if I'm scrolling on TikTok, I frequently come across posts about the Bridge Kingdom, and they're not always nice. <laughs> <gasps> and Who I'm not, <laughs> I'm not seeking it out. It's fine. People are allowed to say what they want. I'm not seeking it out. Sure, it right. just comes right. up in scrolling, and you know, it's sort of like that car accident. It's hard to turn away. So you sit there mm-hmm. and listen oh, yeah. to the three minute video of someone talking about how your book sucks and oh. then you kind of feel oh. crappy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, and so, and it doesn't happen really with my other books as much, but because this book was popular on TikTok, it comes up a lot more, yeah. but, um, yeah. and it's fine. Like, I don't want to discourage people from saying what they want to say. And mm-hmm. I certainly yeah. don't feel that anyone has an obligation to like my book. You can like whatever you want to like, but the mm-hmm. inescape of it's hard to escape. Yeah. Uh, the the constant feedback and it it does get into your head a little bit is there a way that you um like are how are you cognizant of your mental health when going through social media is there a way that is there are there tools that you use to kind of help navigate it i certainly don't follow my own hashtags (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah yeah i don't look i don't look for it yeah i try to avoid looking and um i do have someone that goes through and kind of tries to untag me from things that are really shitty yeah. so that I don't see them. Uh, and a lot of authors have that as sort of like yeah. a screening system. Yeah, absolutely. The thing is, is the more success you have, the more success a particular book has, the more of that there is. Sure. So yeah. people are generally kinder about books that are like more mid-list or mm-hmm. less mm-hmm. popular. As soon as you become more popular or a hype book or something that people are just talking about a lot, people, the people who really like to voice their negative opinions really come out of the woodwork. Yeah. yeah. But um, that really like to be contra to hype, contra to, to trend. Mm-hmm. Sure, so yeah. like, sure. Well, everybody liked this book, but I freaking hated it. <laughs> Let, <laughs> Let me tell, tell you. you why. It's cool not to like it. That's how they, yeah. 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 So, yeah. which is fine, again. But I try not to right. see that stuff because yeah. it is soul sucking no i feel yeah, yeah. You, i feel oh, like absolutely. you would have and it. it does bother some people more than others so yeah mm-hmm. um okay so a few really quick book three questions before we we wrap up so okay so yes so for anyone who doesn't know already book three takes place at the exact same time same time period as trader yeah. queen mm-hmm. was coming back to that timeline from a different perspective challenging or was it fun to kind it of was a nightmare it was a nightmare <laughs> it was a nightmare really yes. <laughs> oh i thought you were gonna say because like dark shores dark skies, dark skies no because in dark shores and dark skies it's just the very beginning and also yeah, dark okay, shores yeah. and dark skies was originally one book so i knew how it i happened. forgot about that yeah yes um so the uh book three i almost called it by its title <laughs> <laughs> We would bleep okay. it out. Your we would. We safe. would. We would. No, <laughs> we would keep your secret. <laughs> the title. The title is in the Trader Queen. I'll tell you that. Um, <gasps> and it's something that it's something that Aaron says. There's a, there's a clue for you. Okay, we'll uh, be hunting for that. All right. So <laughs> gonna go reread Trader Queen. I typically write in three act structures. So okay. um, the first act takes place in Narastus. And it was all new. It had to fit in with certain timeline pieces, mm-hmm. but I could more or less just write it however I felt like writing as long as I had a few beats that happened at the correct times and that the, the length of time that I had worked. Yeah. <laughs> the scenes that take place in mm-hmm. Vencia at the same time as when Aaron is there, mm-hmm. I've probably rewrote, rewrote the middle section 10 times. Wow. It, really? Uh, probably, probably spent a year, a year on about oh my gosh. 15 chapters, oh. had several mental breakdowns about it. Oh. And the reason was, is I had to, there was so much stuff that had to happen, but mm, I didn't yeah. want the readers to know what was going to happen because mm. it had to be a separate story. So I had to create a new story within the story, but still meet all the same plot beats. Oh, yeah. wow. And it was awfully hard. 
Oh, so, I bet. yeah, because there are specific moments that happen. Yeah. yeah. So there's yeah. conversations that occur. There's things that happen. There's things that yeah, you right. know happen, but those can't be the moments of excitement because you know what happens. You know what happens. Yeah. So I'm right. building, building a separate intrigue, separate aspects of the story at the same time within certain plot be framework that I had already established mm. in Trader Queen, yeah. and I will never do this again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Ever. Noted. And this is the one and only So I, th- I think it did. I, I really do believe it came together well in the end, but it was very difficult for oh, me sure because did. one of the reasons is I don't write. I'm not an outliner. I like to just write how I feel like writing, but mm-hmm. I basically had a set in stone outline of certain things that had to happen. Yeah. And right. I had to work within that framework and it was very difficult for me as a writer Mm, and then the end um again there's certain beats that had to be met but uh because we're not really they're away from the character the the laura and r and right i had more liberty and i was not as stymied as i was (laughs) by the middle so it was so hard i do not recommend anyone ever do that it is very difficult (laughs) Do not recommend. No. Um, were Karis and Zara always going to be our next leads? Or when did you decide that you wanted to like tell their story? Well, when uh, Karis became almost immediately a, an integral part of Trader Queen, and Zara came to being in a lot of ways to give him proper motivations for his actions. Mm. So it was as I was developing Karis's involvement with yeah. RN. And I needed it to be realistic as much as anything is realistic in this world um, <laughs> that he would be doing this. Okay. So, um, oh, yeah. and then That's once bad. I knew yeah. that, then I started building upon it. And because I had this pre-existing conflict between Maradrina and Valkata, you know, this endless mm-hmm. war, this generational war of enmity, it really worked very well for creating forbidden love enemies to lovers type love it love Love it so yeah Mm -hmm. literally we love it so wait wait like there's drama that you don't even know about it is so much (gasps) worse than you even know ready because i still had a lot of liberty to create their characters and to create their backstory and to understand them more i wasn't totally locked in they had to sure be the same people as I've set up but as I got to know them better a lot more revelations of course happen as I'm going through this and to make the plot juicier and uh I don't know I'm pulling in characters that I've used so you know uh Aunt Coraline is super close with Karis so they are like tight that's full she was basically after his mother was murdered his mother and Lara's mother Lara's mother um right was murdered Corlin effectively became his mother so uh he is super close with her and definitely shaped his character but she you're gonna see a totally not a totally different side of her but you're going to see that Aaron definitely was not getting the whole picture and there is a whole lot of stuff going on that Aaron had no idea Aaron was just like in his cell being sad and there's all this (laughs) stuff yeah Oh my gosh, so exciting. <gasps> and oh my so gosh. the middle of the book is like hardcore intrigue, but also lots of sexiness and drama yes. and revelations and all that sort of oh. stuff. But it's very political intrigue rich yes. so oh gosh i'm so excited, I'm so excited. When is, do we have like a tentative release i can't tell you i know no, what okay. it is <laughs> i didn't know i just I thought was... i'd ask no um, um audible really uh has uh told me that i can't say anything to anyone okay. <laughs> <laughs> audible yeah so but it, i'll i'll say it. it's it's not that far away <laughs> Awesome. Yay! We'll take it. We'll take it. Um, So to wrap us up um, and to kind of just leave our listeners and ourselves wanting more, (laughs) what three words would you use to describe book three? Um, It's just so hard. Three. (laughs) Sexy, for sure. Oh, sexy. (laughs) Sexy. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Karis isn't just good with words. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> loving that. So, um, oh, yeah, he's a, he is a ladies' oh. man. So, um, sexy for sure. Uh, intriguey. <laughs> it's not even a word. <laughs> it is. We're making yeah, a word. Like intriguey. Okay. Twisty. Twisty. Oh. Twisty. And heartbreaking. Oh, no. No. <laughs> I don't know if I like that. <laughs> See, but that's like leaving us wanting more. Oh, you know totally. Oh. oh, oh my gosh. I am very, I'm, I'm both excited and terrified about this release, of course, because when you're switching to new characters, you just don't know if people are going to connect the same way. Like you can have, you don't have as much comfort as you would in a like a typical sequel where you're he's writing from the same people and uh right so it's very nerve-wracking given the success oh, of the really? first book and how people feel about Lara and Aaron to be uh presenting new characters mm-hmm. and it's not more the same it's mm. in a lot of ways yeah. if you approached it as a new series you'd be better served because the characters are totally different the setting's different yeah. um mm-hmm. And the vibe is different because it has to fit the characters and the plot. So it's not mm, more yeah. the same. It's just not. Right. And I think that that's good because it gives you something new and exciting. Nobody wants sure, totally. derivative content. But anyone who is coming into it thinking that they're going to get like another bridge kingdom in mm-hmm. that sense of that wild danger, mm-hmm. it's not mm-hmm. in the wilds. It's in It's in totally different locations. So it's... Uh, yes. I love it, but it is very different, and that's always scary. It, it's in a lot of ways the way I felt sure. when I switched characters uh, in the Dark Shore series. So, right, that worked out. I hope. It, I hope it, if it works out say, half as well, that worked out very well. <laughs> yeah. So if it works out half as well as it did, um, switching over to Killian and Lydia, I will be very very happy. <laughs> oh my god. We- Cannot wait we are to learn more so about them. We excited. are we excited. We cannot so wait. I like it, it's all coming. Like the cut, like everything is ready. It's just oh my gosh, they <gasps> have a plan, and I am a, beholden to the plan. Yes, I yes. will understand. not. We understand. Understand. I will. I will do as I've been told, and so <laughs> yes. it is coming, uh, and it will all come at once as far as the information and yes, and then it's go time. Awesome. Yay! Oh my gosh, I can't wait. This we is, cannot uh, wait. Well, this has been so great. Thank you, Danielle. Yes, thank you so much, Danielle. It's been great talking oh, to you. We're very honored to have you on. Yes, thank so you. honored. Thank you. Thank you so much. So you can follow Danielle on Instagram at Danielle L. Jensen. And you can follow us on Instagram at Flights of Fantasy Podcast. And please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And until next time, cheers and happy reading. Cheers, everyone. Cheers, happy reading. <laughs> Thanks Yay. for listening. Bye. <laughs> Bye. So fun. <laughs>